Today we talk healing in-laws, Sabbath, and service. This is Michael Stevens. This is the Frequency Podcast. So jumping into today's passage, we're now here in Matthew 8, 14 through 17. And I love little passages like this because there's actually, there's a lot of stuff to unpack in in, in this passage, even though it seems simple and it seems just like a really short story where Jesus shows up, heals some people, which is funny that that's so standard for us. We're just willing to like glaze over these passages where Jesus heals people. When, if we were in today's time, if we went to a church service or somebody came to town and everyone they were speaking to was getting healed and set free and delivered, uh, we would be ecstatic. I mean, we we would be there every single night, every single chance we got with the meeting. So we can kind of, today, if we were to put ourselves in these people's shoes, we can start to see that there's more buzz going on here than uh, first glance the, the scripture uh, lends credence to. And so let's just jump in and read it. It says, and when Jesus entered Peter's house, he saw his mother-in-law lying sick with the fever. He touched her hand, the fever left her. She rose, began to serve him. And that evening they brought to him many who were oppressed by demons. And he cast out the spirits with the word and healed all who were sick. Uh, this was to fulfill what was spoken by the prophet Isaiah. He took our illnesses and bore our diseases. So the first thing is it says that when Jesus entered Peter's house, that he saw his mother-in-law lying sick with the fever. Now there was three types of fever, typical fevers in that day. The first one was called the Malta fever. And its symptoms were um, effectively uh, anemia, weakness, like loss of strength. And ultimately you would, you would waste away. And it was almost certain if you got this fever, you were probably uh, going to die. Then there was what was called an intermittent fever, which was probably like typhoid fever. And then there was probably the most common was, uh, was malaria. Now in their area in the regions around the Jordan river, where it, uh, the Jordan River, it, it left the Sea of Galilee and it came into the the actual area. Like it, it created this marshy type ground, and there were mosquitoes that carried this uh, malaria. And they they, if you've lived anywhere like I did in the South, anytime you have a, you know a, a climate like this or an area like this, it's just this breeding ground for mosquitoes. I remember living in um, Southeast Texas. There was one time my my parents told me to take the trash out. <laughs> I went to I was fifteen. I went to take the trash out. And you could literally see a, a dark cloud of mosquitoes between our back door and between the garage. And I was like, nope, nope, that's not happening. And so yeah, I've, I've lived in these areas. I've never lived anywhere with malaria, but I've, I've lived growing up in the South and, you know, in, in Texas, the, uh, the mosquitoes look more like hawks with, with rocket launchers than they do actual, uh, you know, mosquitoes. Like I remember I got, uh, people were complaining in Arkansas about how bad the mosquitoes were when I moved there. And, uh, I didn't even know they were mosquitoes cause I was so used to getting bit and like welting up like a snake bit me anyway, maybe a little bit of hyperbole there. But, um, the point is, is that she most likely had malaria is what she was, was healed from. And it's, you know, it's kind of brutal cause it was typically came with jaundice and, um, and it was, it was a terrible, like a really bad experience. Um, and so this is most likely what Peter's mother had. Now, the other thing that this tells us about Peter is obviously that Peter was married. Now, as we're going to unpack when we get into Matthew 16, the likelihood that all of the disciples were like 30-year-old bearded men by the Jewish culture in the life and times of Jesus, by the rabbinic culture, is almost zero. Uh, see, you couldn't even become a rabbi until uh, you weren't supposed to effectively start teaching until you were 30, like a traveling rabbi teaching on your own until you were 30. Um, a little bit of background here I'll break down when we get get further into Matthew, but 
basically from the ages of six to ten, you would uh, you would learn, you would memorize the the Torah, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy. So most people in this culture had almost the entire text memorized or incredibly large portions of it uh, committed to memory. Men, women, men and women alike, boys and girls alike. Um, that school was called uh, Bet Sefer. And then if you were in the, the brightest of the students, they would, the, the boys would go on to uh, uh, Bet Midrash and they would begin to continue to learn the rest of uh, and memorize the rest of what we call the, the Old Testament or what they call the Tanakh which is comprised of the Torah, which is Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, and the Nevi'im and the Ketuvim, which is the, the rest of the Hebrew Bible, plus a couple other books, um, Wisdom of Solomon, things like that. So, but they would go on and, and then in the brightest of those students, what they would do is they would go find a rabbi who's teaching they liked and they would put themselves under this rabbi and they would study under the rabbi and the, the rabbi would test them and then eventually the rabbi would would call them as one of his inter, like his, his actual Talmudim. So it was normal for a rabbi to have lots of people following him, trying to get in to become one of his actual Talmudim that he traveled with. Uh, but he would only typically call somewhere between 10 and 14 of those Talmudim to be his own. And then they would do everything the rabbi did, which we're going to unpack later on. But uh, typically one of these students in the Talmudim was older than all the rest. And we actually see this with Peter all throughout uh, the gospels multiple times, like even in, I forget which gospel it is, but when Peter rebukes Jesus and Jesus says the classic thing, get behind me, Satan, that, that phrase we've all heard of. If you actually read the passage, it says, Peter turning around and looking at the disciples, then looks at Jesus and rebukes Jesus. In other words, it was, he was the spokesman for the other disciples, which was exactly what you would see in the rabbinic culture. Um, the other thing is that you were required to be um, you know, you had your bar mitzvah, your bar mitzvah at, at 12 and you were supposed to be married by 18 at the latest by 20 and 20 was where they would actually start taking, you would be, you would be considered inside the census. It's when you would pay the temple tax. I'm getting a little bit ahead of myself here, but I'm, I want to make a point that we don't see anywhere else in the gospels that any of the disciples, uh, during the ministry of Jesus, um, were, were married. Now we see references to them later being married, but most likely, like most likely, almost all of the disciples were under the age of 20 with the exception of Peter, which should change the way that you actually read the gospels when you read these stories. And it also sheds a lot of light on why they were so dull and why Jesus would get so fresh. I mean, imagine being a 30 year old man walking around, even Jesus in the flesh, trying to give leadership to a bunch of um, testosterone filled uh, teenagers right now, they, they, I think were a lot more responsible back then than, than teenagers are today, but still they were teenagers. And even if some, a few of them were over 20, it is highly unlikely, like highly unlikely, 99% uh, chance unlikely that these were all bearded men with families that left everything to follow Jesus. Again, I'm going to unpack this a lot more when we get into Matthew and 16. Um, but I just wanted to touch, touch on that here that, you know, they're entering Peter's house. We see his mother-in-law is sick. So he sets apart the, as his mother-in-law, he, he touches her, he touches her hand, the fever leaves her. And this says a lot about Peter's mother-in-law as well, that the moment she's healed, that she actually gets up and serves Jesus. Now, I, for those of you that are listening to this podcast and you're plugged into a local church, if you were plugged into a local church and you are not serving, you are doing a disservice to the healing and the salvation that Jesus brought to you. And I'm not saying that to heap condemnation on people 
And I understand that serving at a local church requires sacrifice. It requires sacrifice of time. It requires sacrifice of energy. But I will tell you that you cannot give your time, your energy, and your money to that which God considers most precious to him and not see the Lord bless you in return. Whatever field you sow into, you ultimately eat out of that field. If you want to receive revelation like the teachers you are sitting under, if you want to receive the blessing of God on their life, if you want to receive, if you want to receive more of, of the Holy Spirit and what God is doing and moving in your local church, then be faithful with your time, your energy, and your money and serving in that place. And I promise you, you will weep or reap a reward. And we see we see this with, with uh, Peter's mother here, that as soon as she's healed, she gets up. And she begins serving. So find you might just greet people. You might shake their hand. You might stand outside and wave to people. It uh, doesn't mean you have to get on a, a worship team or security, but just find somewhere to plug in and to be a service in response to the salvation that you have received. So then it says that evening, they brought to him many who were oppressed by demons. Now it says, and he cast out the spirits with the word and healed all who were sick. So the, the key, the key word here is that evening. So we, we know from Mark that this actually took place on a Sabbath day. And according to a uh, Sabbath law, uh, you weren't allowed to carry anything heavier than two figs, which obviously means that people would be breaking Sabbath law if they were to carry somebody to Jesus because every human being is heavier than two figs. And also, according to Sabbath law, you weren't actually allowed to heal on Sabbath. And we're going to get into this later on. There's multiple places where this comes up and Jesus pushes pushes back on this. Um, but you could keep someone from dying. Okay. So you could actually keep someone from, from dying and passing away. You could preserve their life, but according to Sabbath law, you weren't actually supposed to heal. Now I want to clarify for those that maybe this is your first time, uh, tuning into an episode that Sabbath law is not necessarily biblical law in the Torah. It's just very simple. It says, do no work on Sabbath. But again, you have these rabbinical dialogues recorded in the Talmud and the Mishnah and all these different things that, um, that, that take that statement and they're like, well, they go, well, what, what is work? Like, how do you define work? And so they came up with, with literally 27 pages of what they called work. Like you can tie this knot, but you can't tie a knot this way. You can pick this up, but you can only carry it so far. You're not supposed to pick anything up heavier than two, two figs. Or if you pick up a stick, it can't be longer than X amount of fingers. Like all of these different things, that's 27 pages of oral law, not the written law in Torah, but oral law, additional traditions added on to this that really put burdens upon people. And that's where Jesus has this huge rub with, uh, with the Pharisees and, and, and the Sadducees and the way they're actually inter- interpreting Torah uh, and the, the burden they're putting on people's back. In fact, Jesus says later that he says, my yoke is easy and my burden is light. And we'll unpack that quite a bit. But um, a, a rabbi's teaching was considered his yoke. And if you had a heavy yoke, like Rabbi Shammai, like we looked at earlier, who's very strict and stringent, that was considered a heavy yoke. If you had uh, an easy interpretation to live out Torah, that was called a light yoke or an easy yoke. And so Jesus, that's, he's referencing that. And so that's where Jesus gets into a lot of rub with these guys. And so you can see the people honoring the Sabbath law there. They waited until the sun went down. And, and since there were no clocks, they said that Sabbath began when you could see two stars in the sky. So there's this picture that I think we, we all need to take and walk away with that. There was this incredible expectation of the people. You can imagine the people who had the sick, who had those who were uh, demon oppressed, who had those who were under some type of oppression, who were dying or maimed or lame or, or couldn't see whatever. You can imagine them knowing 
that Jesus, the, this, this powerful rabbi who is moving in signs and wonders, teaching like no one's ever taught before, that he is at his mother-in-law's house in Capernaum, that he's there and he's, he's waiting. And you can just picture the people across the, the, the town, literally staring into the sky, waiting until they can see two stars. I just imagine somebody go, I think I see one. Like, I think I see two. And then somebody go, no, 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 that's not it. You're just, and then finally, when it's clear or even just the slightest uh, faint twinkle of two stars, them immediately picking up and rushing across town to become the first ones to the feet of Jesus for him to speak and for them to heal. And I, I think there's a very practical application for that for us that, you know, like for me, God is is doing something really powerful at our our, our church, New Chive Church, right now. The Holy Spirit is moving; people are getting healed, set free, and delivered. Uh, the 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 anointing during the services is amazing. People are getting experiencing the Holy Spirit for the first time, getting baptized in the Holy Spirit for the first time. And so, for me, Monday through Saturday, there is this level of expectation. Like I am waiting for Sunday morning <laughs> so that I can get there because I want to see what Jesus is going to do next. And so I believe there's this, there's this expectation, this excitement that we are supposed to carry uh, when we proceed coming together or, or, or getting the opportunity to pray for someone or to worship, to see what Jesus is going to do uh, like these people. And then lastly, it says this was to fulfill what was spoken by the prophet Isaiah. He took our illnesses and bore our diseases. And again, we've touched on this a number of times before, but the, uh, there is a standard thing that Matthew does all throughout the book. I mean, he doesn't just do it when he quotes these verses. We're going to see a lot of these as we move through the text. We've already seen a number of them um, in the Sermon on the Mount. These remises or these allusions. And when when they allude to a verse in the Old Testament, they're not alluding to that verse. This was a rabbinic technique. It was a Jewish technique. It was the way they dialogued the text. They're, they're they're alluding to the entire passage. And so when when Matthew says this was to fulfill what was spoken by the prophet Isaiah, he took our illnesses and bore our diseases. He's not just referencing that verse. He's actually referencing all of Isaiah 53, which is such a powerful description of Jesus hundreds of years before he came on the scene that, it, that Isaiah 53 is the forgotten chapter in Jewish teaching today. It's not even read in synagogues because it's so descriptive of Jesus. And I don't think they do it because they're afraid that people are going to believe in Jesus. They do it based on a, a lot of different other, a lot of other parameters that played in from their history with the church early on. I, I do think there is a, I, I do think there is a, a thing driving it, a fear of people calling Jesus the Messiah. But the point is, is that it's such a descriptive passage. They don't even read it. And so I want us to, to walk away from this today, taking a few things. One, you know, there's no junior Holy Spirit. So Jesus has the ability to call young men and to equip them with the anointing of the Holy Spirit that he himself is operating in. He does not discriminate against age, uh, male or female, does not discriminate against bank accounts or vocations. Second, that one touch from Jesus has the ability to set someone free, save them, and provoke them into the place of service all at the same time, and that we should respond to that. And then third, one of the things I want to point out is that the people, while we may consider Sabbath law ridiculous, the people honoring the law and looking with expectation had an expectation that everyone they brought to Jesus would be healed and set free. And we should carry the same expectation every single day, every single week, um, every single Sunday morning when we gather together. The other thing I want to point out is that we don't see Jesus breaking Sabbath at this point. We don't see Jesus actually saying, well, we'll, we'll, well, screw this, forget Sabbath law, forget oral law. I'm just going to walk around and heal people. We don't see Jesus bucking the system. 
we actually see Jesus showing restraint and honoring leadership that is currently in place. And from showing restraint and honoring leadership that is currently in place, it put him in position to receive people, to receive the hungry, to receive the expectant, and to operate within their system. Now, later we see Jesus pushing the boundaries a lot, but it should say a lot about us when we're serving in a ministry. If we think a ministry should be doing this or doing that, that we should serve the vision and the ministry that we are we have agreed to serve and agreed to be a part of, regardless if we agree with it or not. And in that, it puts us in position to experience more of the Holy Spirit. So hope that blesses you today. Hope that provides some insight. Thanks again for listening. This is Michael Stevens. This is the Frequency Podcast. 